I think you need to tell us your name. Yeah. Me? <laughs> Me? Yeah, you. I think you need to tell us your name and say, Welcome to Making Our Own Stories. Welcome to Making Our Own Stories. Say it again and louder into this thing. Hi, my name is Ariana, and welcome to Making Our Own Stories. Welcome to Moose, Making Our Own Stories, a podcast where a group of kids in Cleveland explore and think about the future of our neighborhood. My name is Zoe, and today I'm here with my fellow Moose members. Hey, I'm D'Angelo. My name is Joshua, and today I'm the silent engineer. Today we will be interviewing Mary Beth Feek, Director of Programming and Planning at the Greater Cleveland Regional Transit Authority, also known as the RTA. Hello, Mary Beth. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm really happy to be able to interview you and to be able to pick your brain about different things that's going on with RTA and most of all, what's going on in our community. Uh, we're going to start off the first question with how long you been with RTA and what's your title? My title is Director of Programming and Planning. I've been with RTA for 23 years. Okay. And what does your title mean to you? What my title means to me is that I'm um, directing the planning and the long-range planning, capital project planning for RTA big projects. I'm also out involved in the community, in stations, in neighborhoods, and communities, trying to translate what the community needs to our facilities and help communication between the two of us so that we can better serve our customers and that our facilities are safe and provide what our customers want. How did you get into your field? I sort of fell into my field. I was a, um, I'd always wanted to be a lawyer. And so I, in school I was pre-law, but then this thing called planning and public administration caught my eye. And I decided I liked that a lot better than law. I worked in a law, a law office when I was in college and hated it. Um, so I decided to go into public administration and planning. I interned during my junior and senior years in the city, at the city of Cleveland, in the community development department, and then I went on to get a series of jobs in community and economic development. Decided to go back and got get a master's degree. I got my MBA in um, operations and finance, and then I was hired on by RTA because of my um, experience in development, they wanted to do a lot of transit-oriented development, which is development around stations that's privately financed. So I sort of fell into that, and I was going to be there five years, and time flies when you're having fun. Okay, great. Uh, now, when it comes to the project, what's your latest project that you have going on right now? I just finished up, I don't know if you heard of the Red Line Interurban Public Art Project, where we installed eight murals and three or four other pieces of art in like a three-month period for the RNC. Okay. Just finished those. I'm working on a public art project in on Clifton and then at 116th and St. Luke's, our new station that'll be going there. Okay. And then I'm also working on 
the um, our strategic plan. Um, we have priority corridors that we're trying to help um, develop better bus service and also development in those corridors in the city. Working on um, a project on 105th and 93rd with the city, um, a station area plan at the 79th Streets stations. There's two stations. Okay. One's the heavy rail, one's the right. light rail. Right. Um, a plan that the city is doing on those. I could go on, but I think that it, that's what I'm working on right now. So pretty much, and all these projects supposed to get started this year? Most of them, yes. Okay. Is the project that's located on Buckeye and Woodhill, is that completed yet? It has been completed. Um, the state was doing the bridge, mm -hmm. which sort of tore up the whole area for two years after our station was done. But it now appears to be completed. It looks very, very nice. The new bridge is in, the station is up, and more and more people are using it. Now, when I remember, you know, uh, we was talking about the the being able to see exactly what's going on at the bottom because safety was the issue. You know, we have a few questions about safety. We're going to talk about those things later. But overall, is the project, do you feel that project was a success? Yes, I do. Everyone appears to like it. It does light the area up, even though it's depressed down in a hole because we use the luminescent panels and there is a great deal of light that comes up and that we placed upon it. I think light is one of the things people want for safety. The second thing is visibility to be seen and the way that the canopies are on top, but you can still see people down there, I think works pretty well. We've used that as a model for other um, stations, like 116th, we've used a similar model so that people can be seen, because that's always a big issue. Mm -hmm. Now, for the people that's listening in the community, um, like I said, we, we I, I spoke on this earlier, we was off the uh, recording, but is there any plans on the snow on the hill or the, the, the snow sledding hill? The sledding hill that, you know, we speaking about will be at the top of Holton. It's the street, uh, the, the, the rapid station itself sits between Buckeye and Holton. And, and Buckeye is on the north side and the south side is Holton. And when we was looking at the plans, we see the RTA owned that property right there also. And when it came to the drawings and the design, it had no use for that area right there. And currently, it, the person that's occupying that building that's uh, going further south utilize it with all kinds of, we'll call it art, but you know how that is. One man trashes, another man treasures. I'm not gonna judge him. But it's just, it's not being used. And the problem is, is that the urban, in the urban neighborhood like Buckeye, it's not too many places that children can go and also be able to be in a safe environment where they can enjoy the weather in the wintertime. We don't have any hills over there where we live to go sledding. Um, now we're putting in bike paths all throughout the community. And RTA was definitely a part of that to make sure the sidewalks and the road was graded in the right uh, way so we can definitely have pedestrian walkway and to get more, not more walkers in the area and bike riders and not just lean upon the uh, cars. So uh, I, I like it, you know, I, I can only speak for myself. It's a very beautiful project. 
the safety issue, being able to see down there where people standing waiting on the rabbit at nighttime, they're able to be seen from the cars just riding past. And the microphone, that was an excellent idea. Have you been able to see them? You seen the microphone down there, Zoe? No. Oh, it's a six-foot microphone, and it lights up. They said it was going to have the music, uh, the music, the light flashing with the music, but, you know, that was still a bit more, you know, down the road, but it's a beautiful thing, and it goes with the whole theme of music, you know, so, you know. The soul of Buckeye. The soul of Buckeye, and they was able to keep that vision and to stay on board with that, so I, I do and am happy to, uh, that that was able to stay and on people mind. Well, we've recommended it to the city and also to the development corporation. So it's sort of their call to get that done. It's in their hands. Right. Okay. The reason why, you know, I, I brought that up because a lot of people in the community was really looking forward to it. And during the discussions that we was having at the Buckeye Development Center and the Harvey Rice uh, School, uh, as you may recall, it was a lot of pushback from the community about this project and you know they was wondering you know what can what's going to how how and why is it going to benefit us in the community to have a new facility and what amenities is going to come to the neighborhood and I remember the snow the snow hill and for the kids to be able to go sledding was a, 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 a it made kind of people change the mood of the, the room if you will have you been getting any uh, backlash for this new project, has the community been, you know, uh, apt to be a part of it since the 93rd project is a success? Not really. I, I think what it has spawned is that we've used that as a model for other community communities as we do stations up the line like 116th and St. Luke's and also 34th Street um, campus station near, well, sort of near Tri-C and the post office. We've used that model. There's other things in that um, Woodhill station plan that haven't come to had did come to fruition. For example, there was an old car wash. I think you might remember right. on a point, and NPI got funds to demolish that and make that green. There's talk of making that like an overlook because it's so high, it's such a gorgeous vista of the city. Uh, that hasn't come to fruition yet. Um, I think there is a, a family dollar, some development coming up near the corner there that. We weren't really keen on a family dollar, but certainly retail around there is helpful to just put eyes on the street. The other really interesting that thing that I think still has motion is there was an intergenerational housing project that we had planned for part of the site. And that's becoming a very big thing in this community, very big in that community as well as the whole city. So I can see that coming forward um, either through NPI or through the local development corporation to really start looking at that type of housing right near the station. Great. Uh, and I'm glad you, you know, as far as you bringing up about the family dollar. Yeah, because I remember definitely during those conversations, we were talking about the Burger King and the asbestos and the different problems of the contamination of the land. And they needed someone to come in that was willing to pay that money to clean it up. So we did have to settle for a big box store because they had the funding to come and do it. So, you know, it definitely will, in the long run, help out the community. So I think, you know, that was, it was a, a idea or a, a situation we had to put ourselves in. Now with this 116th project, is there, are we gonna lean with the same solar Buckeye theme 
or is some is kind of like a toss-up? Not at all. Um, the the art, at least, is going to be um, very. It, it's going to be a wrought iron fencing that um, the you know where the bridges will have two entrances on either side of the bridge, and then there'll be like a a, a beautiful wrought iron fencing that looks like vines growing up and and on that vine growing fencing there'll be medallions celebrating the music there will be celebrating music of the neighborhood storytelling of the neighborhood as well as farming and fresh foods in the neighborhood that are grown so that's what that art will be i can imagine i can imagine the vision behind that um do you take the rta or the rapid i do i take the red line and the bus. Do you believe the RTA and the Rapid is safe? Is it a safe place? I do. I've never had any problems. There's been sometimes where characters looked a little strange, but um, pretty much I think it's safe. We have a lot of presence. Just to let you know, we have TV cameras everywhere. Um, we have a lot of officers. We have canines. We have our own police force, which is, I think, the second biggest in the county. Um, so I think it's fairly safe. I think you have to be a good steward of yourself and know your surroundings and when you don't feel comfortable and certainly don't have your really expensive laptop sitting next to you or somebody can grab it. Um, but yeah, we do a lot to keep it safe. We know overall, you know, RTA is a safe, uh, safe public transportation, you know, and we're grateful for that. But in certain areas, it is considered pretty bad. And we know a lot of the a lot of the crime and a lot of problems been going on on the number ten line, but now they're talking about rerouting the ten, number ten due to the opportunity corridor. Can you speak to that? I know that we're looking at the ten um, for the East Ninety Third, One Hundred and Fifth Street study that the city is doing, and perhaps I know a board member of ours really wants to enhance that service and make it very much sort of like the health line or the Cleveland State line on the west side. Um, we're look, we do have funds for the 105th Street portion of the um, corridor of the 10 to put new shelters and new lighting and new amenities on eight of those shelters in that vicinity. So we'll be working on that with the city to design them in a way that um, is people feel safer and that it looks sleeker and more modern, sort of like the health line in that area. But yes, I am aware of um, some of the issues on that line. Now, when it comes to the elderly and the seniors using the uh, rapid, not only they feel a certain kind of way when they're walking down the street in the community and the neighborhood, but a lot of elderly residents do not use the rapid during the hours in the morning when kids go to school and during the hours of when they come home because they become targets. Is there anything in, in, in the plan to be able to try to change that and make them feel more safe? I know we're very concerned about our elderly. A lot of us, a lot of them don't take it because of the steps. A lot of, some of our stations are not ADA compliant. They don't have ramps and they can't take the steps. Um, we do keep our, you know, we know when our peak hours are and we tend to enforce um, things a little bit better during those hours. Um, it, I don't know that we have any task force specifically aimed at helping the elderly beyond that. 
we want them to ride the rail and the bus instead of going to like a paratransit vehicle because if they're able and that's what they want to do too they want to take the bus like everyone else they don't want to be treated special if they don't need to be are they going to put an elevator on 116th it'll be a series of ramps again just like buckeye woodhill but it will be ada accessible on both sides oh, okay so both sides east yes. and west will yes. be have, have that access mm -hmm. now uh we, we we definitely know that it's going to affect the 116th i remember when we was talking about it before is going to be, you know, uh, the north and the north bound is going to be cut off, and then the southbound is Shaker Boulevard going to be affected. I think we may take one lane during construction, but only one lane, and then, but that's only during the construction of the station. But then it'll come be open to traffic. Okay. Okay. We did that at um, Lee Van Aken and Shaker too. We took a lane of traffic. We did that around Shaker Square too, where we took a lane just for construction. And so, long as the lane opened, and the children that's going to Harvey Rice, they won't be affected. No, they won't be. Okay. And we'll make sure that that passage is clear for Harvey Rice students. Um, I don't take the rapid much, like ever. <laughs> I've taken it once with my mother and once with my school, and we've never had any problems. But I don't know, I just feel like there may be a perception that it might not be as safe as taking a ride or getting a ride somewhere. Not a lot of my friends take the rapid, and yeah, everybody pretty much gets a ride or gets dropped off or walks. That station right now at St. Luke's at 116th is in pretty poor condition. I mean, I've taken it to St. Luke's for meetings before, and um, even from when we did those meetings like three or four years ago, it's gotten, um, the condition has worsened dramatically. How about that? Um, and I'm surprised that anyone takes it. Um, but construction will start soon, and you'll see a new station there. But I know that the, the community itself, when we did those meetings that you were at, safety was number one, lighting, um, being seen. We have call boxes, call boxes, security was the number one concern, and that's what we designed to. So I think you'll see a brand new, open, very light. I think people will feel very safe. We've also connected it to the Muse on the one side so that you could walk all the way through the St. Luke's campus from the station. Wow, so you, wait a minute, so you're going to be able to, I mean, so you're going to still come up to 164, you said it's going to be a way to get down from the other end? Yes. Wow. A direct okay. sidewalk, that'll be, in some areas covered, but St. Luke's um, found the funds itself to make sure that that was extended to the Muse so people could use it. Wow, that's great, because a lot of the problem do be people need to have to get off way down there on Woodhill or all the way up 116th to be able to get to 110th. Right. And then especially with the new, uh, with, with them having the senior port part and wheelchair accessible, a lot of the, wow, that's gonna be great. Yeah, I know they're looking forward to that. Now, another question, when it comes to safety, when it comes to safety, I know you got the call boxes and you know, the lighting, and what about the police patrols? See, cause I know in Cleveland, you know, the, the zone cars normally be in the area that they get the most calls for, calls for. So when it comes to the RTA police, are they gonna be more in that area 
during certain times of the day. They tend to be more in the areas where they've had problems and they know of problems existing. They have zone cars. They have officers that actually ride the train. Um, I remember getting on one station where three or four officers got on, and then all of a sudden it was time to check everybody's fare. We also have fare enforcement officers. So they tend to be where there's a problem. For example, I recall in the past there was pickpocketing issue at 116th. And there was lots of seas of blue for a long time trying to get the apprehend the people doing that, and they did. Great, great. They also have um, a relationship with the Cleveland police, so that it's a reciprocal relationship. My daughter, she uh, goes to the MC STEM, and she was downtown. And when they put the new rapid in to go all the way down to the harbor, I said, well, that's great. That's right. That's, that's excellent for her to be able to ride the rapid. And unlike you, Zoe, my daughter never really, you know, ride, rode the rapid before. So she like, what do I take? What do I do? You know, riding the rapid and the train has gotten a lot easier, especially with the technology. They can pull up the, the fares and the schedule. Are, when, when the collaboration between Cleveland Public Schools and the RTA, is that going to pretty much stay the same? I think so. I, I hope it improves that we, you know, we do have a, an app for your, your mobile phone now where you can pay fares and just show the, the app on your phone. So perhaps, you know, eventually we can get CMSD into that. But we do have a fairly good relationship where we pay for, they get a rate reduction on passes and they provide them to their students. Great. Does it go downtown? See, I don't even know. <laughs> we go downtown very well right. from every different every point of the county. You can get downtown now. Can you get from your street five streets west? I don't know. That's, that's a little iffy. Right. And uh, matter of fact, it seems as though the 10 and the 50 are really the only north to south buses on the east side. Maybe the number two, if it's still run. The two still runs. Right. So the number 10 is definitely a lifeline. Now, when it comes to the community circulator, okay, in certain neighborhoods, it was very hard for people to get around. Is there any plans to bring the community circulator back? No. None at they all? They cost too much. And even in neighborhoods where it was utilized the most, they're not even thinking about those? Nope. Not think not. I mean, we we just cut service. That'll be in effect this weekend. We're not looking to add service. The circulars were very expensive, and the one that you're referring to was the only one that did really really well. The rest of them didn't do what we thought they would do. We are going to be experimenting with fan pools, so that um, that'll start in the next few months. I think I would like to see us have enough funds so that we're not always scrounging for money so that we can really look to the future of what the public transportation network could be rather than worrying about, oh, the rail on track seven is going, the rail on number, we don't have enough money for this, we don't have enough money for that, we have to cut service. But what could we do, how we could best serve Cuyahoga County with the best transit that we could provide? That's what I would like to see us. I'm hoping in my lifetime we'll get there. I remember when I used to ride the bus, let me tell you, it was, I was talking to a bus driver, and he said, 
The best thing for RTA was when bus fare was 85 cents. He said, when bus fare was 85 cents, most people didn't have 85 cents. So they put a whole dollar in there. And they was always getting more than <laughs> what they were supposed to get. And I said, why well, I didn't think about that? Because I always put a dollar on in. So when bus fare went from, from 85 cents to a dollar 25, I'm like, man, that's crazy. How you gonna go up a whole quarter? Never, you went up 35, 40 cents. It was only a quarter to me. But when it comes to the point of uh, the price to ride the bus, the price to ride the bus for one week, when I was younger, we'd get a two-day, all-day pass on Sunday. And me and my dude, we'd go from downtown Tower City to Rando to Parma, all on Saturday, between Saturday and Sunday. We all over on the bus. You know, we didn't ride no bikes. We rode the bus wherever we went until we got cars. But now these children don't do it. And I know everything, the cost of living, everything is going up. But the price, that $5 or $2.50 one way, one ride, $2.50, wow, it's crazy to me. But, you know, these children these days don't know how it was back then. Just like when my mother said bus fare used to be 15 cent, stuff like that. You know, I'm like, wow, imagine that, you know. So the safety issue, more than money, of course. Because I wouldn't, I don't really feel safe with my children, any of my kids riding a bus by themselves now as I did when I was coming up. It's totally different. Yeah, we have some cuckoos on the bus, you know, but for the most part, it's totally not the same. It's totally different. And the safety issue is always going to be that, even to the point where the bus drivers are getting assaulted. It's not just passengers assaulting other passengers, they're assaulting bus drivers. So until we able to figure out what we can do with the safety factor, you know, because when you got something going on like the Cavs game and it's 100, 200 people on the bus or on the rapid, you know, safety in numbers. You know, but when you're on that bus and there's two or three people and it's dark and that one guy get on, You'd be like, oh, wow, what's going to happen now? So I don't know. You know, I hope it definitely get to that get to that point because the rapid was definitely something that was used. And with Uber, I got a question. With Uber coming on the scene, has that affected RTA? Not really. There's a lot of transit agencies within the country that have um, reciprocal agreements with Uber and Lyft and the other sorts. For us, it's almost like first mile, last mile. If you're up and it's, you know, bus services, like in Tremont, and the bus is gone, how do you get home? Uber, Lyft, whatever. Um, if that's, it, we use it as an extension. Haven't seen much of it as a substitute yet. I think because, as you mentioned, the fares, and people are very fare sensitive, and Uber's an expensive service. As you know, with Moose making our own space, we're trying to improve our community. What is a way we can help by building to improve the public transportation in the Buckeye neighborhood? One of the things I was, placemaking is really important to, to me and RTA, and I like to make every one of our stations unique and fit within the neighborhood. And what I was considering with Moose is um, at 116th, as I suggested, there's going to be a series of very long ramps. 
and a bench, some sort of, or a series of benches created by the students in whatever motif they felt would really make that part of their own and really help it um, blend well with the community. So that's what I'm hoping that Moose will work on with us is creating these benches um, because we have pause points or points where you stop sort of like the ramps at the zoo where all of a sudden there's a landing point. We have those in our um, ramp system. It'd be great to have a couple of those, not with our standard concrete or steel benches that we buy, but that were created by kids within the community. It'd be wonderful. So what requirements do you think these benches might need? Well, there are certain requirements. They're called ANSI standards of how thick they have to be, how high they have to be. Um, the space between them can only be so large, and we can provide that. I know that architects here would help the students with what those would be, no sharp edges, nowhere where people could, like, little kids could fit their arms or their heads through and not be able to get them out. That would be a certain height and a certain size, and then you wouldn't want them really, really long so people and maybe homeless could sleep on them. So a lot of time they're, they're made so that there's a, a ridge in between them or an armrest in between them so people don't lay down on them. It's nice to have benches. Um, that's something that we're looking forward to doing with Moose and to be able to uh, help be a part of uh, the beautification of this project. And, you know, we wish that we would be able to put picnic tables down there, something like that. But due to the prop, due to the fact that we in a high crime area, people will set up shop down there and, you know, uh, start to maybe sell drugs or, you know, uh, kid meeting places. I mean, we didn't see how the children would take over the public library and have gang gatherings. And it's to the point where certain kids in certain neighborhoods in not different neighborhoods in different ends of the block will not come because of one group of kids bullying on people. And if you got a group of kids at a picnic table, you know, sitting there waiting all day long after school, because right now on 116th, they sit along the wall in front of the library. So they'll sit out there and or sit out there on those stumps and they'd be 15, 20 of them, and people be leery about walking up and walking through the crowd. So if it was a table or something like that there, that would cause confusion, especially if there's no one there to police that or to make sure that amenity is being used in the right way. So anything other than some benches, you're going to have a problem. And you really don't want to make them too comfortable. You want to make them just enough for you to sit because there's – they congregate down there all day. And by being off of the street, when a truant officer or gang unit coming by, they can't see down there. And they be all down there. And we get a lot of, we was getting a lot of complaints at Harvey Rice Elementary about the problems that was going on down there at the rapid station. You know, then it's when the police come there run. So, you know, hopefully with the new design of it, we'll be able to change a lot of that. Arte is always interested in providing better service and getting gaining new customers. So my question to you would be, how do we get younger riders? We already have um, the, announcing the stops. Some of our stations have music. It's pretty modern. It's not classical and boring. Um, how can we get 
you to ride the rapid? Um, just like you said before on how the 116th um, wasn't, um, it kind of looked kind of torn down. And I think, you know, just like with more construction and having like more brighter colors and everything, you know, popping more. And yeah, like just tearing down that perception that I brought up earlier about it being, you know, unsafe. I think just that would do it. And I, I heard a little bit about more of a security presence. So maybe having, um, we used to have booth attendants at all the stations, and it was really helpful, very expensive. But those folks were like our eyes on the streets. They would tell you how to get, if you're on the wrong train, how to get there. But maybe um, more police personnel or people there that you see as recognized as RTA, would that help? Yes. With the safety comes from people feeling vulnerable, like there's no one to see what's going on. I think the cameras that's up real high, that's great. But nothing like the camera at face level. You know, we gotta maybe a way to make it more secure where when people walking down them stairs or going down the elevator or the ramp, it's a camera that's looking right in people's face. See, because a lot of times you'll see video or you'll see a, a news clip and you'll be like, oh, I really can't see that well. And with technology the way it is and video camera and surveillance equipment, you know, I think that if we had more cameras that we can look and see detail, people will feel a lot more safe and, and willing to ride because there's always the opportunity that someone's going to turn that person in, someone knows who that is who that person is. I think people would be surprised at how many cameras and how much money we spend on cameras. I know I was um, volunteering at the airport for the Republican National Convention and we got a call, um, the person volunteering with me got a call from the person who was manning the security camera that was watching us and saying, I really don't like the color of your, he was joking with him, he said, I really don't like the color of your tie today. He was just joking with them, but from, we didn't know we were being watched, and they just called, and, and the, the, they were right on point. We are always fussing with where the cameras are pointed, how high they are, are they looking at the right thing, how can we get no blind corners and pictures of people so that we, if anything happens, we have it on camera, and that you know that it's on camera and you feel safer. And then, you know, we all think, you know, with the technology age, you know, because me, I would be happy if I could go on RTA's website, tap in the 66R, I know my daughter's on that rapid, and then be watch a live feed of the rapid all while she's there. You know, even though I know I can't reach out and do nothing, but just the fact that I can see what's going on, you know, kind of like an inner interactive uh, website, but yes, that's going to cost money. Yes, technology. Yes, and we're talking about more money and more affairs because somebody got to pay for that. But we definitely try to figure out how can we make it safer for the children. See, because in, in, when you're an adult, you have a vehicle. And Cleveland is not more the, the city that depends on public transportation like New York and these other places. Because they ride, you know, they don't even have cars there. So when it's to the, keep the riders up and to keep our children moving around, 
you know, is RTA did that for me and my friends. They kept us all over the city. We had no limits. We never was in one neighborhood, you know. We was all over the place. And it was safe on the RTA. We arrived from end to end. We'd get on the rapid at Windermere and go all the way to the airport, go have lunch, and ride all the way back. But it's not the same no more. It's just not the same no more. I think um, people are afraid of flying, and your percentage of getting hurt or you know, killed on a plane is very, very negligible. Um, something like that. And I, I, we do have community outreach to students, letting them learn how to ride the bus and the train, showing them how and what to do and how to do it. Um, I remember taking a bus to work one day, and there was a student probably about Josh's age, and he sat right by the driver, and she reminded him where it was time to get off. So she had that relationship with them. And I think that's what it gets down to, just that sort of human touch. Mm -hmm. And I know when I was 10, I took the bus everywhere, too. People thought I was crazy. Man, my mother got on the bus with us the first time I rode the bus and told the bus driver he's getting off at such and such case he forget and, you know, he's supposed to get off there. You sit up here by the driver. And it was a sense of, it's like the teacher in the classroom. The teacher's there to protect you. The teacher's there to teach you. The teacher's there to make sure everything goes the way it's supposed to. And you feel the same way about the driver. You know, we, I know I, my mother did and I did coming up. So when it comes to the point of building these relationships with the driver and building these relationships with uh, the, the driver with the, the passenger, you get that in the morning when people catch the same bus and they know the driver and the driver be looking out for them. And if they, you know, they awake, but if they see them coming across the street, different things like that, you look for that, you want that. You need that kind of bond and that kind of relationship. The problem is, is when these, we, we take advantage of that and we forget that it takes a village and we all in this together. You know, we, everybody want to have a safe ride. Everybody wants to get to their destination on time. But sometimes things happen, we're only humans. And that be the problem where we can't be willing to forgive, be willing to understand that things happen. And we definitely need to build better relationships. We definitely need to have that. You know, we definitely need to, and not just when it comes to RTA, we're talking about as a city alone. Because when the Cavs won, you know, that united, everybody was on the same page for a while. Yes, there's gonna be different problems throughout the community, but for the most part, people was outside. The buses was full, you know. I, everyone I lived there, everybody was downtown. So we definitely need to build these relationships and, and, and stop making uh, RTA the scapegoat for when things go wrong. And that be the, and, and I see that, you know. I, I definitely see that, you know, being in the position I am. But on the same note, it's kind of like we have to accept RTA as a partner, but RTA has to be a partner with us. There's a lot of people complaining about the different routes that went out, the 12, the 13. You know, but at the end of the day, if the ridership is down, that's what happens. So we definitely, you know, I was glad to see y'all in the community talking to the residents about what was going on instead of just coming to the neighborhood doing things. And, and I think long as RTA is building that relationship and doing those things, people will look at it different because it made me look at RTA different. Well, I, I think what made me happy about, and it wasn't a good situation, but I think there was over a thousand people that showed up at those 16 meetings that we had. And I did a, just a brief calculation, and it looked like from the original um, list of cuts we put out, we changed, say, like 
so that we wanted to cut the service this and we ended up expanding it by two hours each day. We wanted to cut this route completely out. We ended up keeping it at rush hour. Um, the green line we were gonna cut off at six. Instead, we left it go till nine. So a lot of, and that was based on the feedback we got from people. We had the general manager riding some routes, just saying, well, they're saying nobody's on this bus, and this is for a cut. And he'd ride it and say, well, sure looks full to me. Today we had Mary Beth Feek, Director of Programming and Planning, Greater Cleveland Regional Transit Authority. We thank you for coming and talking with us about our community and the RTA, specifically safety routes in your own opinions. You're welcome. Making Our Own Stories is a project of Kent State University's Cleveland Urban Design Collaborative and is made possible by a grant from the Cleveland Foundation's Minority Arts and Education Fund. The kids are participating with the permission of their parents. It's produced by Jesse Hawkins, Ellen Sullivan, D'Angelo Knuckles, Justin Glanville, and me, David Jerka. Our online producer and photographer is Beth Conway, and our music is courtesy of DJ Doc Harrell and the kids at Fresh Camp, a hip-hop recording camp that helps students re-envision Cleveland neighborhoods. Special thanks to the Boys and Girls Club of Cleveland, Cleveland Public Library, and Nelson Beckford of the St. Luke's Foundation. Check out our website and get in touch at wearemoose.org stories, and follow the Cleveland Urban Design Collaborative on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My city is Cleveland and my city is sweet. Went to the parade with many people to meet. I even met a person named Dang Dang. Hung out with my dad and the cannons went bang bang. Confetti was flying in the air and that's cray cray. And my dad said, don't wander off, just stay, stay.